Having sung portions of the psalm, we now read it in its entirety. A Maskeel of Ethan the Ezraite. I will sing of the Lord's great love forever. With my mouth I will make your faithfulness known through all generations. I will declare that your love stands firm forever, that you have established your faithfulness in heaven itself. You said, I have made my covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to David, my servant, I will establish your line forever and make your throne firm through all generations. The heavens praise your wonders, Lord, your faithfulness too, in the assembly of the holy ones. For who in the skies above can compare with the Lord? Who is like the Lord among the heavenly beings? In the council of the holy ones, God is greatly feared. He is more awesome than all who surround him. Who is like you, Lord God Almighty? You, Lord, are mighty, and your faithfulness surrounds you. You rule over the surging sea. When its waves mount up, you still them. You crushed Rahab like one of the slain. With your strong arm, you scattered your enemies. The heavens are yours, and yours also the earth. You founded the world and all that is in it. You created the north and the south, Tabor and Hermon. Sing for joy at your name. Your arm is endowed with power. Your hand is strong, your right hand exalted. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Love and faithfulness go before you. Blessed are those who have learned to acclaim you, who walk in the light of your presence, Lord. They rejoice in your name all day long. They celebrate your righteousness, for you are their glory and strength. And by your favor, you exalt our horn. Indeed, our shield belongs to the Lord, our King to the Holy One of Israel. Once you spoke in a vision to your faithful people. You said, I have bestowed strength on a warrior. I have raised up a young man from among the people. I have found David my servant. With my sacred oil I have anointed him. My hand will sustain him. Surely my arm will strengthen him. The enemy will not get the better of him. The wicked will not oppress him. I will crush his foes before him and strike down his adversaries. My faithful love will be with him, and through my name his horn will be exalted. I will set his hand over the sea, his right hand over the rivers. He will call out to me, You are my Father, my God, the Rock, my Savior, and I will appoint him to be my firstborn, the most exalted of the kings of the earth. I will maintain my love to him forever, and my covenant with him will never fail. I will establish his line forever, his throne as long as the heavens endure. If his sons forsake my law and do not follow my statutes, if they violate my decrees and fail to keep my commands, I will punish their sin with the rod, their iniquity with flogging, but I will not take my love from him, nor will I ever betray my faithfulness. I will not violate my covenant or alter what my lips have uttered. Once for all, I have sworn by my holiness 
and I will not lie to David, that his line will continue forever, and his throne endure before me like the sun. It will be established forever like the moon, the faithful witness in the sky. But you have rejected, you have spurned, you have been very angry with your anointed one. You have renounced the covenant with your servant and have defiled his crown in the dust. You have broken through all his walls and reduced his strongholds to ruins. All who pass by have plundered him. He has become the scorn of his neighbors. You have exalted the right hand of his foes. You have made all his enemies rejoice. Indeed, you have turned back the edge of his sword and have not supported him in battle. You have put an end to his splendor and cast his throne to the ground. You have cut short the days of his youth. You have covered him with a mantle of shame. How long, Lord, will you hide yourself forever? How long will your wrath burn like fire? Remember how fleeting is my life. For what futility you have created all humanity. Who can live and not see death? Or who can escape the power of the grave? Lord, where is your former great love, which in your faithfulness you swore to David? Remember, Lord, how your servant has been mocked, how I bear in my heart the taunts of all the nations, the taunts with which your enemies, Lord, have mocked, with which they have mocked every step of your anointed one. Praise be to the Lord forever. Amen and amen. The Word. The Lord will come again in glory. The Spirit and the Church cry out, Come, Lord Jesus, come. Come, Lord Jesus, come. If you don't enjoy singing, this time of year must just be this shy of torture for you. Everywhere you go, music is playing. In many places we go, that music is not just playing for you to listen to it and enjoy it. This time of year, music is most often intended to get your toe tapping, to lift your hearts up from the mundane, and without a doubt, get you singing, whether you want to or not. The songs themselves often lay out the motivation that the poets and composers believe they have given you to join in their song, to join in the singing with everyone else. They believe it is simply in the fabric of most human beings to want to sing, to like to sing, to need to sing. I believe Ethan the Ezraite, the author and composer of the psalm of this evening and this coming weekend, on our Advent lesson schedule, 
would have endorsed, would have thought that was appropriate sentiment. He was inspired to create a song that he himself could not help but sing. The Holy Spirit guided his writing and composing so that his song might be appropriately contained and included in the collected songs of Scripture. For all humans, since his era of time, to sing for their own edification. It would be a lengthy sing. It would be a complicated sing if we tried to sing it the way the ancient Hebrews sang it. But it's important for us to remember from the pages of history that the majority of history was shared from one generation to another over thousands of years and even thousands of years into the common era, what we call the New Testament era, that you label with an A.D. Oral traditions shared very often in song, in ballad. Even the news of the day in many cultures, as strangers would come through, many of them challenged with the responsibility of bringing news from one part of the world to another, would rehearse that news in a way that would offer it as singing. That's what we would call it if we heard it from ancient times. Ethan the Ezraite, even more importantly, desired to lead us in singing thanks and praise to our God, to our God of promises, so that we might be certain, more certain than we've ever been before, that those promises mean our eternal salvation. In these last weeks of preparation, before the observances of one of the two most cherished events on the Christian calendar, there is really very little else that would be better for us to be doing in this moment than joining Ethan the Ezraite in song. We have in a portion of his song, we have in other songs that represent the themes and ideas of his song, His song's not about Santa. It's not about snow. It's not about candy canes or mistletoe. And at first glance, it might not seem to us that this is much of a a Christmas season song at all, but look closer. Everything that Christmas has always been about, why Jesus needed to come into the world, and what his arriving here as one of us our brother, yet our Lord, wearing our flesh, sharing our predicament, what all of that means for us and what it accomplishes. These are actually all essential elements of Ethan's song as well. He digs deeply into the essence of the one and true, one and only true God. He speaks of his wisdom. He speaks of his power. He speaks of his justice. He speaks of salvation history in particular. He speaks of David, 
both King David and David as a reference to the ultimate descendant of King David, the Messiah. He uses those terms almost interchangeably in a way that if you're not following where you are in the history of God's saving plan in the psalm itself, you may not realize which of the two is speaking or being spoken of. And yet in all of this, he points to this history as proof of what God can do and how he is faithfully doing it. This psalm comes from a time well after David, a time when God's people, God's covenant people, were struggling mightily with the political forces that surrounded them. A lot of ugly history and a lot of awful events that had to have led them to question why God had abandoned them as his nation. But Ethan knew. And he lays it out for them as a reminder that when you do not follow David, when you do not share David's values, when you do not look to David's God as the answer, as the Savior God, as the only possible resource for the bigger issues of life, the only one to which you should direct prayer for supernatural blessings and realities to play out, whether that be military or that be day-to-day needs and realities, we're reminded here of how faithful God is in doing it all. But at the core of his presentation is a question that resounds well in this season. He casts it twice in different formulas, but it is ultimately, who is like you, Lord God Almighty? And in that, answering that question, he, he makes some comparisons. And the answer is obvious, and the answer is simple. Who, O oh God, is like you, the Lord God Almighty? No one. Ever. No other being is as holy and just, and yet so merciful and patient. No other being is as powerful and changeless, and yet so tender and thoughtful, and uniquely and individually interested and invested, not just in his people, the collective group of people that have followed his word and strive to live his will, but every human to the ends of the earth and throughout all time. When we consider everything that Ethan brings to the conversation about the Savior God, we have no doubt about the perfect balance of law and gospel that our Lord not only represents and embodies, but also faithfully proclaims to each new generation, each new generation on this this earth that needs to hear of its own sinfulness and God's answer to that sin. We read these words, and for us, as we fit them together with so much of the rest of the Scripture that we see, the fulfillments of prophecy, some of them contained in this psalm, and the details of God's saving plan, it may seem 
redundant to all the other places God speaks to us from his word, and it is easy to take all of this for granted. But there really is nothing easy about fixing the broken universe and the shameful self-centeredness of the human race that has inhabited this universe from its beginning. Our Creator has long held every right to not only end our existence, but squash each and every individual like the petty pests that we are. And yet he hasn't, and he never will. Rather, he will continue to confront us with his law to lead us to sorrow, to lead us to righteous repentance over our sins so that he can then pour out his pure healing gospel of complete forgiveness and eternal life into our diseased and dying hearts. His divine CPR that just doesn't get our heart back into rhythm and functioning again, but makes our hearts whole and healthy and eternal. Read Ethan's lengthy presentation. Take some time to digest it and contemplate upon it and see if you don't agree with his theme, with our theme, that we have every reason to thank our God for keeping his loving, saving, healing promises over time. over a very, very long time, over the whole arc of time and forever. Amen.